0: Assume we work eight hours a day. I know, I know, who does? But entertain me for a bit. Assume that we work eight hours a day. That would account for roughly one-third of our adult life. And if spirituality has nothing to do with work, then God would have nothing to do with one-third of our adult life. That's insane. And that's my premises. I use the term living cycle to describe how lifestyle in North American urban cities has changed over time. Of course the depiction is done in very broad strokes, but I think it's still very helpful for anyone to understand the change of pace in places like the Silicon Valley, New York, or Houston in less than 5 minutes. The living cycle back in the 50s and 60s was about 24 hours. In that world, we would get up in the morning, go to work at 9, come home after 5, have dinner, spend some time with our families, go to sleep, get up the next morning and repeat the same thing. The cycle repeats itself in 24 hours. Now you understand what I mean by living cycle. The saying 9 to 5 perfectly described our work life in that period. The Dolly Parton hit song with the same title came out in the 80s, way past the period where it truly belonged, because the living cycle had already become longer in the 70s. Remember then, life was busier, everything was booming, opportunities were all over, we just needed to work harder so we could make more. So. If the boss does not leave the office at 5, employees would get the message and stick around. In other words, the workday became longer. Instead of waiting for the clock to strike 5, people were really looking forward to the coming of the weekend. That was when we had the saying, TGIF, Thank God it's Friday. A restaurant chain was actually named after that. The living cycle was practically extended to one week. But that was not the end. By mid 80s, the living cycle became longer still. Technically, the weekends belonged to the employees. No bosses would be so crass to tell you in your face that he or she would expect you to work on Saturdays or Sundays. Well, at least not in the beginning. Instead, they would tell you hey, your weekends are yours. I don't expect you to work over the weekends. Spend time with your family, your children, your wife, your husband. Family life is important. Oh, but don't forget, the project is due next Monday. From mid-80s to mid-90s, the weekends became blurry. We were no longer truly joyous over the arrival of the weekends. We may still do the rituals of saying TGIF. But it was more of a cultural alignment with a tradition that did not mean much anymore. What we truly looked forward to was the two-week vacation that came at the end of the year. Yes, the living cycle from mid-80s to mid-90s had become one year from only 24 hours just 15 years ago. If you have been counting, you would notice that the duration of each living cycle has been shrinking too. The 24-hour cycle lasted for at least 20 years, the entirety of the 50s and 60s. The 1-week cycle lasted 15 years, from the beginning of the 70s to mid-80s. Now the 1-year cycle lasted only 10 years, from the mid-80s to mid-90s. Can the duration get any shorter? Can the living cycle become any longer? The answer is yes. In the five years between mid-90s and the turn of the millennium, the living cycle for some was extended to three to five years. That period was the crux of the dot-com bubble. Numerous entrepreneurs were venturing into startups. They dreamed of going public in the hope that somebody would buy them out which meant they would become billionaires overnight. That's billionaires with a B. I still remember a San Jose newspaper featuring a photo of the desk of the co-founder of Yahoo on the front page. He had a U-shaped table with papers and clutters all over. The report says he would work till 1 or 2 am each day, then pushed himself off the table and slept on the floor. When you woke up, he would get back in his chair and continue to work. If the boss was working this way, you could imagine most employees would follow the pattern. While the bosses may become billionaires, the employees also dreamed of becoming multi-millionaires with the stock options they are offered. So yes, living cycle has been extending from 24 hours to 1 week, and then to 1 year, and now to 3 or 5 years. The unspoken assumption behind this is that life begins after this is over. We are building something wonderful. This is the chance for a lifetime. I'm giving you 5 years of my life and then I'll be set for life. But what if this, this thing is never over? Came year 2000 the dot-com bubble burst. The living cycle changed again. It was no longer 24 hours, or 1 week, or 1 year, or even 5 years. It had become what I called undefined, or fragmented. Many people lost their jobs and became unemployed. The length of your living cycle depended on whatever gig you could find. Arguably, that lasted throughout the financial tsunami. There wasn't really a cycle because nothing repeated itself. Life was in a constant shifting mode that could change from one day to another. Nobody was hiring full-time. Heck, nobody was hiring part-time either. Here, I am hiring somebody to do this job until the job is done. Do you want it? Next. Yeah, it was like that. When the economy took off afterwards. The American work life in large metropolitan cities evolved again. Mega corporations like Google and Apple built magnificent campuses that resembled resorts. They have bean bags and modern furniture for meetings, a gym and a swimming pool for your breaks. Their cafeterias look like restaurants. And they would even do your laundry. Yes, you heard me right. They would do your laundry for you. Why would the company do your laundry for you? Because they don't want you to leave. You may now eat there, play there, exercise there. Maybe the only thing your employer does not want you to do is to sleep there. But I suspect that might have changed if not for the pandemic. As much as the living cycle has been pushed to become longer and longer, there is still a break point where you may distinguish work from life. Like when you physically leave the premise, when you turn off your phone, when you disappear in a digital world or virtual reality that does not have your boss in it. And then, the pandemic hit. We're all working from home, or many of us do, and now, the last boundary between work and life is erased. Our living cycle is now continuous. It doesn't have a beginning, it no longer has an end. It just keeps going and going. When urban American work life undergoes this drastic change, we should not be surprised the role of spirituality is revamped alongside this process of metamorphosis. I tend to think of American spirituality as much like exercise. When our living cycle was only 24 hours or up to a week, It was very manageable to schedule exercise in our daily routine. We could run in the morning or take a walk in the evening, join a baseball league, play tennis, play basketball, throw a football with your friends, or do all of them. In other words, you could do your daily devotion, read your Bible, go to the Wednesday night prayer meeting, join the choir, teach Sunday school, do various combinations of the above. Your pastors and your elders would describe that as living a full life, and they would be right. But things get a bit hairy when the living cycle was extended to one year. Spirituality was still like exercise, but it was more like the exercise you didn't do. You would go for a walk on your wife's urge or when you feel guilty enough. You know it's good for you. You know you need it. In fact, You feel better every time after you exercised, but you just couldn't get it into a routine. When you get up in the morning, you're already exhausted. Coffee is not something you enjoy while reading the paper, it is a medicine to wake you up and keep you going for the rest of the day. The fact is, you don't have enough rest. Exercise and rest go hand in hand. You simply don't want to exercise when you don't even sleep well. So your belly grows bigger, and you finally take up that cardio class in the Y when you have to buy pants with a larger waist size. You know how the story goes. You enthusiastically attended class for three months, and then you stopped. The fact is, you may be able to operate on adrenaline at work, but Red Bull simply cannot set you on a regular exercise routine. Those exercises that you were able to squeeze in Are markers to remind you that you know exercise is important. That's why you make sure you attend church on all the important occasions Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, your children's baptism, when your wife does the opening prayer. And all other Sundays that you showed up were bonuses. Those Sundays when you showed up are markers. Markers that you use to remind yourself that you know spirituality is important and that you are still a believer. What you don't tell yourself is that you also know this is way under what you need and what God wants from you. It is like those exercises that you didn't do. A stroke or heart attack might be coming down the road, but that's not something you can do anything about today. You'll worry about that later. That's when the living cycle was still just one year. When it became three to five years, spirituality was in a halt. You were living in a constant emergency mode. The project was always due yesterday, if not sooner. What could you do? You're working for a startup. That's when your spouse felt like he or she was living a single parent life. You have children, right? Oh you're lucky you. That's the time. When you abandoned everything else, your family, your life, your sanity. Who needed sanity? Your health? Well, it's just for the moment, like for the next five years. That's why we have medical insurance and, uh, you know, life and accidental death insurance. Oh, we don't see you in church anymore. We know that you're alive and quote-unquote doing well from your wife who constantly apologizes for your never showing up in church. And that's why she's serving everywhere to make up for your part. Deep inside, you know this is not good. But you tell yourself that when this is over, life begins. You will then serve God better. You will go to church more regularly. You will start reading your Bible again. You will have a normal Christian life. For now... You live in constant guilt and shame. Or you might have built enough callous that you don't care anymore. You have successfully put God in a separate compartment and you don't think about Him anymore. Spirituality is no longer relevant. This is definitely not good. And maybe this is why God blew everything apart for us. Came year 2000 when the dot-com bubble burst. Poof. When the living cycle became fragmented, nothing repeated itself. There was no routine. In the busy urbanized work environment, we complain about routine. Routine put us in a waking sleep mode that we sometimes feel we have lost all sense of creativity or purpose. We just keep going without knowing why we're going. We aspire for stories of people who break away from the routine and become something bigger and better. They who pursue their calling and find their true self. They are the Bill Gates, the Steve Jobs, and the Elon Musk that we should become. But that's only true if we're lazy or too overwhelmed by the routine to think what we are going to do after or beside the routine. Sometimes we are so overwhelmed by the routine that we make the routine our end instead of our means. In a healthy society, Routine is actually a good thing. It's a necessary thing. When you get up in the morning to go to work, you need the coffee shop and the bagel shop opened. You want the train running the routine schedule, or you need to get stuck on the freeway at the same spot at the same time each day. Routine is a place where we don't have to rethink the purpose, redefine the task, or redetermine the goals and values. It is a safe place where everything has already been worked out for you. The reason why it takes so much energy to break away from the routine is because you need to plan everything from scratch. Without routine, you are staring at a blank page. Now, imagine every day you wake up to a blank page. That's what it was like when the living cycle was fragmented. People were lost in this fragmented state of mind. If spirituality continues to mean going to church on Sundays, doing your daily devotion, attending the Wednesday night prayer meeting, and joining the church choir, it stops speaking to the lost souls who were trying to find their footings in a broken mode of life they were once familiar with. The process of deconstruction not only had started but had begun to take shapes. The time period coincided with the emerging Christianity movement that swept across the nation and also to some other parts of the world. The exercise metaphor no longer works, because spirituality was no longer seen as an activity that we do at a certain time of the day. Rather, Christians were, and still are, searching for significance. Pastors and theologians alike challenged the traditional concept of Christianity. Instead of championing orthodoxy, a new generation of Christians who preferred the label Christ-followers would rather talk about orthopraxy. It means they believed the proper behaviors of the believer takes priority over confessing the proper list of doctrines. In essence, they had turned the confession tradition of Christianity upside down. Simply put, they were looking for meaning and relevance. In this process, new churches were formed, some old institutions were torn down. Therefore, deconstruction took the form of both tearing down old ways of thinking and building up new understanding of traditions. And, I tend to think the deconstruction process came to its peak when our living cycle became continuous when there is no end to the work mode anymore. From the beginning, when our living cycle was still only 24 hours, the church has been competing for our time to do spirituality. In a sense, this form of spirituality is better understood as performance. How well do we do? How well do we perform? That's when the exercise metaphor works best, If we want to be healthy, we should exercise, the more the better. At the same time, we know we don't need to exercise 24 hours a day, but we do need to have a healthy dose of routine workout. So go to church, participate, practice your personal spiritual discipline to strengthen yourself and serve in the church community to build up the body of Christ. All that worked well until it's no longer manageable. The continuous mode of living cycle erases all meaningful boundaries between work and life. Technically, you can still get people to go to church on Sundays, but there is no more pretense that this form of spirituality only makes sense in the bubble we create between 10 to 11.30 on Sunday morning. Outside this bubble, the heart and mind of the One are consumed by a construct that shuts its door to any spiritual values like love, humility, forgiveness, or sacrifice. Even when we escape to church on Sunday mornings to gasp for spiritual air, to remind ourselves that our souls need to be with God, still, the constant vibration of the cell phone or the never-ending texting would infiltrate this bubble to break up this illusion of holiness and tell us that we really belong out there. Deconstruction of Christianity is complete. I wouldn't call it a bad thing. It only happened because how we do church didn't change while the outside world is rapidly changing. We have gone through stages like this before. Only this time, it's not about the style of music or whether you can use drums. It's about our theology. It's about how we understand church. But that belongs to another podcast, don't you think?